Welcome one, welcome all, back to the court of the trashy royals for a little bonus edition where we reveal and revel in our betters behaving badly. Well, today we're going to reveal and revel in some trashy diseases, one in particular, sure. hemophilia. I'm Alicia, friends. And I'm Stacy, and we love inherited diseases on Look, honey, show. I brought diseases. I do want to do just a quick little bonus about hemophilia, as this particular blood disease is going to feature pretty prominently in a number of upcoming episodes. Without too much further delay, let us anon to hemophilia. So now, these days, we are fully aware of royal blood diseases and the tragic outcomes of hemophilia, especially within the royal family. However, when Queen Victoria was born, there had never been any evidence of anyone in any royal family having hemophilia. As far as any historian or scientist can tell, hemophilia in the royal family began with Queen Victoria. Through the prolific royal marriages of her nine children and over 40 grandchildren, hemophilia tainted the blood of royal families across Europe, causing a great deal of suffering, death, and toppling empires like the Romanov dynasty. Mm -hmm. Victoria was a carrier of hemophilia and passed it on to one of her sons and two of her daughters. Since females can only be carriers of the hemophilia gene, Victoria's daughters did not develop hemophilia. Right. So there was no way of knowing at the time that because they do not express the gene. But what they did do. Have sons. Had sons, which inherited the gene, causing the sons to develop mm. the disease. They also passed it on to several of Victoria's granddaughters, who then passed it on to their sons. Sure. The introduction of hemophilia into Victoria's family heavily influenced the course of European history. This was the case with Tsarina Alexandra. This is the wife of Tsar Nicholas Romanov. After giving birth to four daughters, Nicholas and Alexandra were desperate for a son because in Russia, girls could not inherit the throne. However, when the long-awaited son finally arrived, their excitement and jubilation was quickly tempered by the realization that the tiny future czar had inherited hemophilia when he would not stop bleeding from his navel where his umbilical cord had been cut. Tsarevich Alexei Romanov had inherited the gene from his mother, who had inherited it from her mother, who was Princess Alice, Queen Victoria's daughter. Queen Victoria, remember, has four sons, but it is only her youngest son, Prince Leopold, Duke of Albany, who was a hemophiliac. Prince Leopold was not initially diagnosed with the disease because it was so rare and not well understood at the time. But Prince Leopold was a sickly child. He was a frail child. 
He was often in a great deal of pain due to hemorrhages and bleeding. Uh, He's got swelling in his joints, but it's a mystery illness. No one knows what's causing these problems. When Prince Leopold was finally diagnosed with hemophilia, he was one of only a few people in all of Great Britain known to suffer from the disease. After the initial diagnosis, it was still not known that this was an inherited genetic disorder. Mm -hmm. It's unclear whether or not Queen Victoria believed it was a genetic disease when planning (laughs) all of these dynastic marriages for her children and grandchildren. Because there had never been a hemophiliac in her family, Queen Victoria publicly denied that it was a genetic disease that her children were potentially carrying. My belief is this was just a quirk genetic mutation in Victoria. Yeah, that I believe that's called a spontaneous mutation. That's the word I'm looking for. And my understanding is that it's thought that it did just sort of come out of nowhere in Victoria. And for all we know, honestly, you know, we've talked about all of the arsenic wall treatments, right? Like there were there were all sorts of toxins that people were being exposed to on the regular in that era. And since it was one of her later sons, you do wonder if there if she didn't suffer some genetic damage at some point. Well, Victoria's blaming it on everything. Yeah, I, I don't know if what I just said is actually possible, but hey, why not? Well, royal doctors have some ideas. They blame Leopold's hemophilia on the fact that Queen Victoria had used chloroform during childbirth oh. for the first time with Leopold. How wretched. It's the chloroform's fault. It's your fault, Vic. Mm-hmm. So the use of chloroform to bless it, ease pain from childbirth, was a pretty new practice, and many believed for an asundry of religious or moral reasons that women's bodies were actually meant to endure the pain of childbirth without any kind of anesthetics. Here's a stick. Chew on it. It's the pain stick. Bite down. Yeah, it's punishment for original sin. Good Lord. Therefore... It was thought that anything used to ease the pain of childbirth resulted in disease or death for the infant. Of course. Certainly, this is the reason for the hemophilia. Yeah, so the good Lord is punishing you for avoiding this pain that you earned on page two of the Bible. Enjoy your stick. <laughs> this is all terrible. All right, poor little Prince Leopold, though, also suffered from seizures throughout his life. So it's possible... Prince Leopold inherited the Porphyria gene as well. Double bonus. That is truly terrible because Victoria's grandfather, George III, probably the madness of King George, as it was called, suffered from Porphyria. So Prince Leopold's case of hemophilia actually brings attention to the little known disease Mm -hmm. because the prince is suffering from and it leads to a great deal of research about hemophilia in the late 1800s. In the late 19th century, hemophilia was an incredibly devastating and deadly disease. Due to Leopold's diagnosis, though, today hemophilia is pretty well understood. And while it cannot be cured, it can be successfully managed and treated. Mm -hmm. Much of the research done to accomplish these feats began when the first known royal case of hemophilia happened, which was Prince Leopold. Of course. 
Now, Queen Victoria, rock in a hard place. She's seeking out the very best medical help for her son, but she also wants to keep Prince Leopold's illness hidden from the public as much as possible. As why, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert have long planned on marrying their heirs off into other royal houses across Europe, innocently, charmingly maybe, foolishly believing that they could unite the continent through their family ties. Hey, it's not the worst idea. It just clearly failed. But Victoria keeps it all quiet because the rumor that their children might have tainted blood Mm -hmm. could absolutely ruin that plan. So let's go back and talk about how Queen Victoria got the recessive hemophiliac gene. With no evidence of the gene existing in either of her parents' families prior to Victoria, we're left with two options. The first option is that Queen Victoria was not the biological daughter of Prince Edward, Duke of Kent. While for sure that's possible, there's no evidence to support that claim. If true, it would most likely be the previously mentioned John Conroy that would have fathered Victoria. Hmm. Remember, John Conroy was the equerry to Prince Edward, Duke of Kent, before his death. After his death, John Conroy becomes the private secretary and, I don't know, sinister comptroller and companion to the Dowager Duchess of Kent, Queen Victoria's mother. However, while there were rumors of an illicit relationship between the Duchess of Kent and John Conroy during Victoria's childhood, there was no speculation about this prior to the Duke of Kent's death. Now, this explanation of John Conroy being Victoria's father is also really unlikely due to the fact that John Conroy and his wife produced six children. None of Conroy's known children or grandchildren ever displayed any signs of hemophilia. Queen Victoria also showed zero resemblance to John Conroy, but many folks remarked on her familial resemblance to both her father and grandfather. John Conroy was relatively tall. He was a slender guy, while the Duke of Kent was short and stout. He's like a little teapot. And we all know that Victoria was very short and eventually, bless her heart, ate her way into 50-inch waist undergarments. A little short and stout herself. The second option for the introduction of hemophilia is the word you just said, spontaneous mutation of the gene. Most historians and scientists who have studied this issue believe it is likely the cause of the royal disease. Now, back in Prince Leopold's day, a hemophiliac would not have been expected to live into adulthood. But Prince Leopold surprises everybody. He far surpassed his life expectancy. They gave him until about age 13. Prince Leopold goes way beyond that, although he will succumb to the disease, dying of a brain hemorrhage after a minor fall in 1884 at the age of 30. He lives way longer than anyone anticipated. Yeah. This is kind of sad. Prince Leopold had just married two years before his death to Princess Helen of Waldeck in Piermont. She had just had a child. They just had a daughter, Alice, who was just a year old. And Princess Helen is pregnant with their next child, a son. 
Princess Alice, the daughter, would prove to be a carrier of the gene, passing it on to two sons who both died from hemophilia. Leopold's son, Prince Charles, was born after Leopold's death and was unafflicted and lived to be 70 years old. Genes are funny. Genes are funny. Queen Victoria, technically, I guess, very fortunate. She had a 50-50 chance of passing the gene on to each of her children. Out of four sons, only one was a hemophiliac. Out of her five daughters, only two were known carriers of the disease. But it was enough. It was enough. The royal daughters that did carry hemophilia were Princess Alice, Victoria's third child, and Princess Beatrice, Victoria's ninth child. Princess Alice passes the gene on to at least three of her six children. Two of those were daughters, one of those being the future Tsarina of Russia. Princess Beatrice passes it on to her daughter, who in turn pass it on to many, many of her descendants. Throughout Princess Alice and Princess Beatrice's children, Hemophilia was spread through the royal families of Spain, Germany, and Russia. Which will complicate many, many future episodes here on Trashy Royals. Although many of Queen Victoria's grandchildren married each other, marriages arranged by their very own grandmother, the royal disease of hemophilia appears now to finally have worked its way out of the royal bloodline. This is in thanks, at least in part, to less royal inbreeding over the last several generations. Yeah, this stuff pays off. Somebody discovered what a Punnett Square looked like. Takes time, but it'll get you there. Goodness. There's just a little bonus about hemophilia. It is important just to have a little bit of background on this particular blood disease as it affects the royals, Mm -hmm. as we're going to be hearing a lot about it in the future. I think it's really part and parcel of any discussion of Queen Victoria and her impact on the world. It's just, I mean, it's an interesting, obviously nothing she planned for, but yeah, again, it changed the course of history in Russia for sure. So much of history. At least contributed badly. One of those German grandsons or great-grandsons who had hemophilia went off and fought in World War I. Which is not what you should do if you have a, a blood disease, if you have a clotting dis- disorder. It's a lot. It's a lot. We are going to get into so many more of Victoria's kids, so many more grandkids. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this bonus today. Don't forget, you can always catch us early and ad-free over at patreon.com slash Trashy Royals Podcast. We're going to be back next Thursday with a new fun, fun saga. I can't even wait for this one. We hope you join us then. And until we meet again, keep your eye on the throne. Learn some science. Polish up those crowns and revisit the Punnett Square thing. (laughs) Cheers, everybody. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.